And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate, and it's the Agview pitch. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Brad Downing, the owner and president of Cross Creek Ag Solutions, located in Greentown, Indiana, which is north central Indiana. We are filling in tonight for Chris Barron, so we are hosting tonight. Chris is on leave right now on vacation with Alyssa, and they'll be back here fairly soon. But we just want to welcome you guys tonight to the Agview pitch. And tonight we've got Dwayne Lowry. Many of you already know him and know what he does. So tonight we're not really going to dilly-dally around. We're going to get right into it and talk about some things that we want to talk about in the grain markets, what's happening currently over the past week, what's happening over the weekend, of any news, and also where we're looking to go this week and what Dwayne's position thinks it could be and where we are going to land further down the road and where we at from a crop standpoint. I may give a little update and talk a little bit about that from uh, a lot of our customers that we have all across the Midwest. But welcome, everybody, and we're going to get started. So, Dwayne, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you, uh, Brad. So, Dwayne, uh, I guess we're going to jump right into the big thing and some big talk that was happening and some information that happened on the market as of Thursday and Friday. The U.S. Uh, government had made a statement, and Bloomberg put it out as of Friday, that China was giving a huge signal that they were going to once again seek American exports starting on corn, beans, cotton, and hogs starting next week. And there was some information out there from you know, anywhere from 204,000 tons to maybe upwards, like you said, maybe of 600,000 tons that could be being announced in the next two months. This comes up uh, the first really big announcement we've had in more than two or three months. What's your uh, thoughts on this? Well, I think it's a, a big development. It's a positive development. It gives the appearance that we're on a pathway to try to get back to normal. And uh, getting back to normal will take some time in terms of raw numbers. Part of that process of getting back to normal has to do with uh, African swine fever. So we have to have that part, that cloud that's still hanging over us. And, you know, China has purchased a lot of product, uh, soybeans from South America. And so... You know, we're not going to instantly go up to the levels that we are, but I think it's fair to say that we're on a pathway to get back to normal. Uh, USDA announced 200 and some thousand tons sold to China on, on Friday. Um, my understanding is they were in for about 10 cargoes on Thursday, and between Thursday and Friday there may have been 10 cargoes done. That would be about 600,000 tons. <clears throat> and I think that uh, it's a situation that, um, we're probably going to continue to see some announcements and some business transact here over the next couple of weeks. And um, I think it's important to look at where this started. I would say the breakthrough kind of was first uh, suggested when uh, Hong Kong withdrew the legislation that caused the uh, protest initially. And uh, most likely that came at, at, under the direction of China, and if not the direction of China, certainly the blessing of China. That was followed up within a day or two of President Trump saying that he would uh, um, hold back uh, and delay some of the tariffs. And China also responded and, and listed about 16 items that the the U.S. could export and into China without tariffs. Um, and then the last piece came when China's indicated last uh, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it was, that they would allow uh, soybeans and uh, pork to be imported without the tariffs. And uh, so that's a pretty strong 
gesture when you think about that they're going into some negotiations here in October, and initially they saw soybeans as one of their strong leverage points. And so for that, for them to, you know, remove the tariffs and allow companies to import U.S. beans into China without a tariff on, on what I would consider was one of their stronger leverage points either tells you that they've already kind of come to a framework of an agreement and the rest is just kind of the process we go to to get there, or it tells you they really need those beans, U.S. supplies of beans, and maybe both of those statements are true. So I think it's a a very positive development, and I think it's only the starting point. And uh, I think from here we're we're on a pathway to to see improved relations, more business. Uh, It won't immediately go to the levels maybe we'd like to see, but certainly on a pathway. And the other thing that's important to remember is U.S. beans have been priced, you know, quite significantly at a discount to uh, South American supplies. This will cause that to uh, adjust probably with some South American values coming down and some of us coming up. And the, the last thing that's important about it is if you're a world user and you felt the beans were in no hurry to get your needs covered, you had U.S. harvests ahead of you, China and the U.S. wasn't anywhere close to agreement, suddenly you've been put on notice that, hey, if you don't get in there and get your needs covered, China's stepping in to buy theirs. So it elevates the urgency of every single global buyer. So um, I think it casts a wide net, and I think it's a, a very supportive uh, feature. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, we understand and we all know we're really a long way from a, a tight supply and demand scenario. So, I mean, this is where, like you're talking about, we, where we've kind of limited some further gains and some upward gains that really could have probably happened really fast. But falling on the eve of the uh, USDA report on Thursday, you know, we really – we really saw the uh, essentially it was bearish news really for the most part. There really wasn't a whole lot of bullish news in that, and you know we we kind of tried it, trended upward and closed higher off of that Thursday, and then Friday obviously there were some signals in the market. But um, like we talked about, you know you really think, and from what I'm listening to you and have conversations with you here, um, the market really hasn't factored in this news that was announced on Friday yet, or if they have, it's it's very small in what they're looking at. Would that be correct? Yes, it's it's only just the beginning process of factoring it in. And this is only one component of the price discovery process. Um, you also have a situation where you are correct. The USDA report really didn't offer anything for all that bullish of, of data. Um, and we do have a plentiful supply from a U.S. and a global standpoint. But everything's about being in perspective. And we spent the entire last year with the idea that we had a billion carryout in the last year's carryout, the entire last 12 months, and we spent the, virtually the entire 12 months expecting we were going to have a billion in this next 12 months, maybe more. And um, with Friday's uh, or Thursday's USDA report, that carryout suddenly is down to 600 and some million carryout. And I think once the narrative changes a little bit and the buyer has a little bit more urgency than they had before, like I discussed, suddenly it's okay to talk about things such as maybe the crop is still overstated, maybe demand will improve, and instead of having uh, demand plugged in with no China business or little China business, now that has to be adjusted. And all these things are just 
little pieces of the puzzle that we just keep building a few foundational blocks that are improving. And from this point forward, um, probably the biggest uh, adjustment that's going to be important and something to watch is going to be what is the U.S. soybean yield nationally? Because right now, I don't think we know. I still think USDA has this too high. And soon, very soon, in the next week or two, we're going to start to see more Midwest bean yield reports. And then I think we're going to get a better handle on this. Uh, so I think it's just a starting point. I, I uh, believe that the marketplace has been bearish for a year and a half. Even this summer, when we had all the problems we had, 60% of the beans planted after the 1st of June, the, the large specs never even covered their short position. To me, that's a complete disrespect for any upside potential. And I believe with what we have experienced so far to get the carryout down from something over a billion down to 700 million or less and possibly going lower to having just two weeks ago, there would have been extremely low optimism of any ability to get a U.S.-China trade deal. Suddenly, we don't have the deal, but we have the tariffs removed. That's virtually the same thing as a deal as far as I'm concerned, or at least it implies that why would you do that if you didn't think you were going to get a deal, okay? Um, so I, I think there's a lot of uh, positive things from which we can build. And the last thing that happened just in the, this this last weekend was the uh, – uh, Rebels that attacked Saudi oil facilities, and you got crude oil, crude oil up five six dollars uh, tonight. That is uh, uh, inflationary. It's uh, a sign that commodities might uh, gain fa- favor over um, stocks, and uh, it creates another level of of energy and, and excitement and something different. I think that's going to be a supportive feature tonight when we open, and uh, that might end up being short-lived. But the last component of this is at the end of the day, we don't, we trade money. We might call it soybeans, but we really trade money. And uh, beans uh, right now where they settled Friday was higher than they were uh, before the August report, higher than they were after the August report. So you have probably six or seven weeks worth of trade that suddenly has been stranded below us. And during that time, we had nothing but negative trader sentiment. So the tables are turned. There's going to be short covering activity. And uh, the fundamental uh, narrative has changed with China. And now the question is going to be, are we going to get a change in the fundamental narrative regarding national yield? And I think that uh, looking ahead to tomorrow afternoon, there's a decent chance that we're going to see corn Crop ratings decline again. Maybe bean ratings decline again. Um, I'm not sure how important those late season rating changes are, uh, but uh, the most important thing is going to when we start to get more combine yield reports. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to jump back on the yield 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 report situation and what's going on kind of here in a few minutes. But I mean, to your point, the market really trade money. And the big issue, I'll be interested to see the uh, fund position of managed money because as of last week, if I remember right, corn was short about 123 to 124,000 contracts as of last week. And then I believe they were short uh, 71,000 as beginning of last week on beans. So what will be interesting to me is as we do see yield reports, we'll talk about that in acres here in a minute, kind of what we're hearing and seeing. But if we are seeing yields on beans of early indications, maybe off, anywhere from five to 
10% what we anticipated or even corn yield, which we haven't got much other than the northern delta and southern um, southern Illinois to western Kentucky is kind of far north as it's made so far. Um, you know, as we get into the Midwest, it was planted in June all the way through, you know, even some that was planted late to early July. The question being is how much will this managed money position move their short covering positions and how fast will they do it? Well, in, in my opinion, uh, in the case of beans, I think we already have the components to uh, get them to completely reverse their uh, short position for the first time, um, which will be different than they did in the summer. And um, the question is, are we going to get them to go long? I don't know the answer to that part, but I think uh, we're starting the process. We have the narrative. We have the components and I think that we will drive them completely out of their short position, which is something we did not accomplish uh, during the summer. But I, I do predict that will happen, and I think it will happen very quickly. And uh, I think that uh, that could easily translate to soybean futures trading above the the highs made in uh, June, June, uh, July, whatever that was. And I think that uh, um, is going to happen despite the fact that we have harvest uh you know, uh, right upon us. Good deal. Well, that's, uh, let's transition right now to talking about the yield component, acre component, and what we're hearing around the country. So we currently have customers that cover about eight states across the Midwest, and we also dip down into the northern delta of who we work with at Cross Creek Ag. And, you know, what we're hearing right now in the northern delta through western Kentucky, southern Illinois, um, bean yields, for the most part, the stuff that was planted early have been average to maybe slightly below average. Corn yields have been good, but they've been close to APH average or maybe slightly a little bit higher. Uh, but they have not been the you know 10 to 20 percent higher that we've seen the last two years out of that kind of situation. Um, as we get into some places in Indiana that did happen to get some beans planted in May, and also through Ohio, southern Ohio, and parts of Illinois which were very, very few acres. But I have talked to a few customers that have been doing that, and what they anticipated they thought were 55 to 58 bushel beans. They're cutting some two fives and two sixes, which are extremely early for those guys that south. Um, you know, they're getting into the 42s to 52 range. So, you know, we're off, let's call it five to eight conservatively to what we thought we would be at. Um, how does that Brad, let me, let me interrupt you for one second. You're... Yeah. Uh, off uh, how many bushels compared to what you expected? Five to eight, is that what you said? But, but right now, early indications, you know, on soybean yields that were planted in May, and maybe the June beans will be much better. We, we don't know. They, they look a little bit better, but, you know, we got to get to the finish line, which we're a long way from it. But early indications, we're talking very small amount of acres that have been harvested, have been off by the reports of the growers, five to eight bushel what the, off of what they thought they would be. Okay. Now, the, the next important question is, uh, what they expected them to be, was that something that would have been equivalent to a normal year, or was that also less than what they would have had last year or what than they would have expected, um, you know, under normal circumstances since these were planted early? Um, so I'm trying to get a handle if five sure, to eight sure. is, is uh, just five to eight from last year or what they considered normal, or did they already anticipate something below normal and now we're another five to eight below that? So early indications, 
if they're APH, let's call it 58 to 60 is where they're sitting on APH. That's kind of, they thought they were going to be right around their APH or their normal yield. And they're coming in five to eight below that conservatively. Okay. So which is a solid, which is a solid uh, 10 to 15 below last year's yields. That to me, uh, based on how, what the market is expecting, if you look at, um, the uh, USDA number and the trade estimates going into the, uh, Thursday's report, I would say those yields uh, translate to a uh, um, more negative outlook than what USDA is projecting. Would you agree or disagree, even though it's early in the in the season? Right. It's extremely early, and I, I wouldn't, you know, I, even though we're on the air right now and I'm quoting this, but I'm just saying – if somebody held me to it right now, I'm not saying that's the gospel of where it's going to be for everything. But right now, early indications do indicate that what has been harvested in those early maturities that was planted early in the in the middle of May time frame have been off more than the USDA was anticipating. Do you feel that what you've learned, even though it's early, I understand that, do you feel that what you're learning there has implications about what was planted maybe in mid-May or the June stuff? It could be. It very well could be. Obviously, the mid-May went through a lot more of the uh, what, what could got planted, and then they were wet afterwards. They went through a time period of growth, which was very challenging on the crop versus the late planting. Um, what we looked at all summer long was that it looked like the later crop could have, quote-unquote, caught up with them. And I just don't see that the case on the bean side of things, because obviously beans are a photoperiodism, sunlight crop, and heat helps. But, you know, we're seeing – anything that was planted in mid-May, making it to senescence and making it to full maturity here in the last you know week to two weeks, if you're farther south. And even around central Indiana and central Illinois, where I've traveled, um, we're looking at two fours to two six, two seven maturity range of beans probably are two weeks away if we continue this heat. If we don't continue this heat that we've had in the last week, probably you know October 5th will be the time frame. And so in that indication, you know, we won't know from that standpoint, but it looks to be that the, obviously the May, or the May planted varieties still, still seem to be a little bit off. From when I sat in on a couple of different uh, pioneered uh, seed uh, meetings, the agronomists there indicated, and I think they were making a broad statement across the Midwest, or um, they indicated that there was a, a definite pattern of, lower nodes with each planting window, and they kind of indicated three, like the April, early May, the mid-May, and then the June and after. That's kind of how they seem to describe mm-hmm. it. Sure. And they felt there was a steady decline in the number of nodes and a, a steady decline in, in the number of pods. Would you say that that's a, a fair assessment? Absolutely. The one thing, okay. and I don't care what, what I, absolutely, I, I wouldn't care what uh, company or, you know, variety. Some are going to be different, but most of the fields we've walked and we've seen all the way from Ohio clear out to Iowa, um, especially, and, and I'd say 95% of what we've walked has been planted in June. But I will say the, uh, the pod count was obviously down. We all know that compared to what we saw the last two years. But the thing that I've noticed more than anything is the amount of pods per node and there's a lot more two bean pods this year than I've ever seen. You know, it's very tough to find four bean pods. Uh, we have not near as many threes as what we're used to also, but you rarely in the last couple of years saw two bean pods and you see that quite often this year. So 
that's the that's the key factor I look at when I'm looking at beans is how many two bean pods do we have, and then what's our weight going to be? You know, where are we going to get this crop matured, and when when are we going to be able to harvest? Because if we're not able to harvest beans through most of the Midwest that were planted, let's say the first week to the third week of June, you know, we're looking at anywhere from October 5th, 10th, all the way till you know any time in November, and the harvest window, obviously, we know it gets really narrow at that point in time. So my question is, you know, where are we going to be at on weight and what's the quality of this crop going to be? I don't know what the weather is. I'm not a meteorologist, but I really question, you know, what, what's the quality going to be? And we'll find out when we get there. But Well, I, I don't know either. I'm suspicious that we're going to find out that we don't fill as well and we don't end up with the, the weight that we'd like to see with those really late planted beans. But I, I find what you just told us, uh, I find that uh, a little bit troubling and a little bit alarming because the, the, the highest profile uh, tour was the pro farmer tour and mm-hmm. their odd counts uh, from a percentage were, you know, 20, 25 up to 35% below uh, the previous year, and I realize it, it was late, but uh, I'm not sure that we're seeing uh, uh, th- those pod counts really change all that much. And if, you, if you're telling me that some of the earliest yield uh, that was planted early is also coming in below expectations, I kind of sense a pattern here that, uh, you know, maybe it's too early to say that, but I kind of do sense that a little bit. I'm reminded of 2003 when we thought we had better beans and only to find out that that year I think we had some dryness issues late that didn't get a good fill, but we ended up finding a lot of 30 bushel beans. I'm not trying to imply that we have 30, but I am trying to imply that there might be as much as a few to several bushels an acre that could end up being shaved off these national yields. And so when you have all these other factors in there, you know, this, this, uh, whatever the yield ends up being with the combine yield reports, that's going to have a big influence on what the price outlook here is. And one thing I didn't mention, and I don't even like mentioning because it's way too early, but I'll mention it only because there are people that are trying to, to uh, point out how dry Brazil has been over the last two or three months and how dry their forecast is. Um, you know, there is a, an area that this can change a lot by the time it becomes important. But uh, right now, that's another factor. And I, I don't think it's much of a factor for real at this early stage, but it is something that wears on traders' minds. And I think it's it's another thing that um, the uh, shorts uh, are could be running for cover a lot quicker than maybe what we think how, that the market could respond during a, a harvest period. So these these type of yield reports, if what you're describing ends up being a uh, seen as a, a common theme in the days or a week or two ahead of us, um, I think it leads to an, an abrupt shift by the marketplace because I think they'll look at the whole picture and say there's just too many things here that have changed from what we thought there was, say, even as late as 10 days ago. Sure, because, I mean, you look back at the August USDA report, they were 48.5. Pro Farmer came out at 46.1. FC Stone was 48.3. Allendale, I believe, was 46.1. And Informa came out at 48.4. So we're all within two bushel. And, you know, if you look at that from an APH standpoint, from probably the survey and the amount of acres they took, they were below the APH. But my question is, 
are they going to be another five to eight percent or even five to eight bushel? That's a different percentage number. But are they going to even be below those numbers that we haven't accounted for? And I'm not a great indication of bean yields. Um, it's very tough to <laughs> it's very tough to see that. But when if the early indications are what they are, it will be interesting to see if we come in slightly below that or will we be eight to ten percent below that number? I personally off? think we're going to be below it by a uh, larger part of that scale myself. That's just a personal opinion. Time will sure. tell. It's too early to tell, but it'll be important to watch. What are you well, seeing? What are you seeing for uh, corn here? Oh, yeah, I'll switch to corn real quick. So, corn, I'm getting ready to leave on Tuesday to go to Ohio. I'll be through central and southwestern Ohio. Then I'm turning around on Thursday and leaving for Illinois, Iowa, and Missouri and coming back Friday night. Um, I'll talk to a lot of growers during that point in time to get kind of even a better handle on what they're seeing here as we get near the finish line. We're nowhere near the finish line, but we're getting at least we round the corner to see where the finish line's at. Um, we'll have a better indication there, but early indication from the northern delta that they're shelling corn, it, exact words from them, average to good. corn yield, And this was an area that was, for the most part, looking really good. They didn't have to run a lot of... Uh, irrigation they have a, most of the summer you know they were i think the comment i heard from the grower we work with down there that farms in missouri or missouri southeast missouri arkansas and mississippi they they had about a 20 to 25 percent reduction in cost on the amount of water they were using this year just because they had such timely rains and the amount of rain they had so to their point their crop looking good the early indications out of western kentucky have been phenomenal um, Tennessee, we've talked to a few people. Yields from there have been phenomenal and very well, very good from the corn standpoint. I did have a chance to walk through and look at a couple fields in northern and central Indiana in the last few days, uh, or last week. You know, I would say that 60% of it was full dent with the milk line down 10 to 20% at best. Um, there was just some of it that was just getting to dent, and some was still in milk which was planted late. Um, the question I have, I'm looking at how long it's going to take till we get to that point of getting down to black layer. I can kind of give you an example of we were looking at a hybrid that's in that planting date around the June 5th, June uh, 6th time frame. And they're basically about milk line, about 20% down. And it had about 2,400 to 2,470 growing degree days accumulated on that field and that hybrid. And we're looking to the point we get to black layer, if we maintain this heat, we're probably going to be about 10 days to 14 days before we hit that point. And once we get below 33%, you know, if we continue to maintain this heat, we're, we're looking at an October 5th, October 10th, you know, getting down below 30%. So that's a, that's a good good indication of where we're at on some of those high, those hybrids and where we've seen some things that were planted quote unquote early um, for June I do how question do you, uh, I was just going to say how much do you feel your yield potential is down just because it was planted late even if you reach black layer as you described yeah that's a great question of what the quality is going to be and what kind of test way we're going to have that's my biggest biggest fear in this whole thing and biggest question is where we're at on that um the weirdest thing is we all talked about this in spring even chris and i and i believe chris even discussed it on this one one episode the biggest thing we've seen 
is hybrids that were in fields that were really pushed and guys did not pull back the inputs on it, we had the stand. The crazy thing was we planted in the worst conditions I've ever seen in my lifetime, and we had a stand that came up that was almost perfect. If you pushed inputs and pushed nutrients to these plants, I, I really believe you're going to pay out huge this year if you can get it to maturity. The one fields that are high-yield fields that have been pushed, and we looked across different growers, I hate to say it, but they were looking right on APH, if not slightly above. Some operations and some fields that were not pushed and did and just did the bare minimum, got a crop out there. We all thought we were farming for uh, you know crop insurance check. It's starting to show. We've seen a lot of tip back. We've seen also convergence of rows. If you started out 16 around, you ended up with 12 around because there were some nutrient issues. We went through that dry period where we started seeing some potash deficiency in certain fields, even solid potash deficiency in bean fields. It's not the fact that there wasn't enough potash there. It was the fact that we were super dry through, you know, August time frame right after we're getting done pollinating. And that had some issues within the plant. And we're starting to see that now as grain fill has come to almost the dent stage. And we're getting on towards, you know, moving the milk line down. So do I still think personally that we're on par with USDA 169.5 or, you know, pro farmers at 163.3, FC Stone was 168.4, Allendale was 167.7, and Informer was 169.6. I personally believe 160 to 161 from my conversation with people around there is probably more realistic. That's where I'm at. Just And I... And I have no great formula other than just listen to what people's APH are. A lot of these people we've worked with across the country for many years and looking at what they predict their yields are and then just putting it in as an average and me doing a really rudimentary calculation. I think 160, 161 is probably close to where we're going to fall in at. Well, I certainly could, uh, uh, I certainly could easily get to the, uh, an agreement of, of a similar number and uh, I'd like to see a little bit more yield data before I said that confidently, but I see plenty of fields that uh, make me believe that what you just said is very possible. What you said is really a mouthful because uh, that by itself, if you're correct, uh, has would wipe out 25% of our current carryout projection. And all of a sudden you'd be down in that 1.5 billion range. And um, uh, Marketplace has been talking about reduced demand for some time. Uh, they've been t- focused on ethanol, but even with ethanol reduced de- demand, it's tough to pencil in that much of a redu- reduction in demand uh, with the ethanol. And there's one uh, other wild card here that if China and the U.S. reach an agreement, um, you know, going back several months ago, it was believed that China was on the verge of beginning an import program in corn. So, you know, I can guarantee you the marketplace is not anticipating any China uh, export business to China, but it is a possibility. And um, so we got we got a lot of things here that could change the outlook of the corn market uh, significantly. And with the uh, yield reports going to be very, very important. And uh, if you're talking about 160 as being a possibility, um, I think. That's, uh, deserves respect because you're obviously a well-respected opinion with a lot of contacts and you've seen a lot of fields and these are the kind of reports that you're getting and, and ideas you're formulating. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. And just, just a week ago, the marketplace wasn't willing to entertain anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, and this can change very quickly. I, 
I'm in uh, Minneapolis right now, and uh, on the drive up here this weekend, um, I was surprised how uh, unhealthy the corn crop looked in, in uh, northern Iowa and come up into Minnesota. The farther north you went, it became more of an issue just being late. But I was surprised at how un- unhealthy a lot of northern uh, Iowa looked where they were uh, running out of nutrients. So there may have been some uh, uh, moisture deficits at, at one time in the last 30 or 45 days, but uh, very unhealthy. And uh, um, I'm, I'm concerned that we have more of that than what the marketplace is given credit for. So it's not difficult at all for me to embrace that type of yield that you just mentioned. And I, I think part of that getting that yield will also be the fact that we will have a quality issue. Or I, I don't know if we will have a quality issue, but it certainly plays the question of saying, will we have a quality issue that, that leads to that number? Because what you're talking about in the upper Midwest and what we've seen in the last week is the amount of rainfall they've been getting. And with a crop that's maturing and starting to flare the husk, open up and trying to dry down, yet this plant is still living, um, that that causes some concern for ear molds, causes concern for any um, kind of disease pressure we get and proliferating that disease. And what's that going to mean to quality? So I've got some questions on that. I don't have an answer for it, what that means on the end, but I do have some questions of wondering what kind of quality we're going to have. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there aren't parts out there, anybody that's listening, that there aren't parts of the corn bell and little pockets here and there that are going to be phenomenal and they may be just as good a yield as they were a year ago but i think for the whole it's very hard to have a late planted crop as we did with the weather we had and following up you know a cool period of late august first week of september and then you know that was a very crucial time that we slowed the growth of this this, this crop down that we did not need to stop the factory from growing and we did i agree with that, that. Now we're, I agree now, we're that. Now, now the factory's back online and she's pumping up pretty hard, but I've got some questions. You, you slowed it down for three weeks. Um, what's that going to look like from a yield standpoint, but also what's it look like from a quality standpoint? So yeah. I think time will tell. We'll find out. Um, I think the bigger question, though, is still on acres. I still want to – the yield may be – I may be way off. It may be 168, 169, and I'm, I'm just crazy. Um, probably am. That normally happens. My wife tells me that more than once. But uh, the, big, the big question is the, the acres. I just I question still how the acres were formed. I wonder how many true acres are out there. And real quick before we get off here, we'll take about two minutes here. And just in your travels here and, and anything here late, have your intentions or any of your thought process on the amount of acres that were planted out there, has that changed in the last month or two? Well, I don't know uh, how much confidence I have in USDA's acreage either, but until they change it, that's what we have. Um, so I, I'm not even going to address the planted acres, uh, but when they included cover crop or corn planted as cover crop, um, and then uh, I think it is possible that, that some of that calculation could be off a little bit, and I think that we'll see that uh uh, displayed by them lowering harvested acres. They might lower them beforehand, but uh, until they issue the silage report, which won't be until January, uh, we probably won't get too much of an adjustment from USDA on acreage, which brings up another point. Um, what anecdotal reports I've heard regarding silage is, it's taken more acres to get the same amount of silage. So mm-hmm. that, I think, might add to the narrative that 
we can reduce uh, harvested acres. Me personally, I think harvested acres will ultimately be lowered two or three million um, acres. If you lower it three million acres, you know, there's another, you know, 400 million bushels, uh, you know, maybe more than that. And uh, if you get your yield scenario that you talked about, all of a sudden instead you, you could be having to lower a carryout down by 800 million or more, and all of a sudden you're down to a billion three. And I can guarantee you current prices are not factoring that in. Everything we've talked about was talked about during the growing season, and we felt that it was real and it was uh, something significant but we couldn't gain any traction on it. And then when USDA came out with their acres report and then followed up by raising the yields again in August, the market just capitulated and everybody dumped positions and, and kind of gave up. But we could resurrect that entire narrative, all the stuff from excessive water, poor root development, inability to take up nutrients, uh, everything along those lines can be resurrected again. And I, I honestly believe that's the direction we're going where we're going to start we'll be bringing that kind of thing back up into it again. So the outlook from in my perspective, both corn and beans, very important what the net from the, what the combine yield trends show. And uh, my belief is that we're going to see those lowered from what the market has been trading. And uh, if that's the case, it, it's going to change the market outlook quite a bit, especially with the developments that we've had here from uh, China. Well, that's good stuff. I don't want to take too much more time here. We want to move on, but I just, uh, I think we, I think we're probably a solid month away before we start getting a, a good handle on some early numbers. I mean, we've got some early indications now, but I'll be really interested to hear what I have to, what I have to hear in the next week, talking with growers from Ohio all the way to central Iowa. And then on my way back, well, this is the first trip I've made out there in about a month, month and a half. So, It'll be fun to see what we got going on there, and then uh, we'll probably talk to somewhere around 15 to 16 farms across the whole stretch during the course of that three or four day trip, and it'll be uh, be be good to know what's going on and hear what hear what their take is. But it's really going to be very it. it's going to be very interesting, and and uh, we certainly want to hear what you're finding out, and uh, so we look forward to having you back again. Sounds good. Well, Dwayne. Thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening and uh, spending time here at the Ag View Pitch. And for Chris Barron, I uh, wish he was here tonight, but uh, I got to host tonight and check it out. And I thank you guys for taking the time to listen. So everyone have a great Sunday night. Market's open here in 15 minutes, and we'll be sure to talk to you soon. Have a good evening. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Dwayne. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the AgView Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or Dwayne L at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the AgView Pitch.